churches. I listen to the podcast. I, I'll tell you a secret about your pastor. He has some good stuff. <laughs> Every week. A lot of pastors hit and miss, but he, he's pretty regular. So. Anyway, uh, we, we live in Nicaragua. We are here for my son's wedding. My youngest son finally got married. Woo! We're happy. She's a great girl. And um, I recognize a lot of faces here. Uh, how many of y'all have been to Nicaragua? Yeah, lots of veterans. How's your Spanish going? We, we, we actually run a school. We need some teachers, English teachers. And I've always thought about Johnny Grigowitz until we started talking about children's. And um, then history. We, I don't think we'd want you to teach history. <laughs> anyway, um, so we have a school. It's, it's uh, kind of out in the woods from uh, the capital city, and we're having a ball. We have lots of challenges, but... Uh, you know, the days we live in require that everybody put your hand to do what God's given you to do. And I kind of want to talk about that this morning. I don't know if you all noticed that uh, things are speeding up. And I'm not just saying that because I'm old and some of you are young. Things, things are happening quickly. Jesus said in Revelation, Behold, I come quickly. And that really means, doesn't mean soon. It means when he comes, he comes quickly. And if you, if you observe, things are, are picking up, things ha- happen quickly. We're more aware of how things are happening because, um, you know, you read the paper. Keep, we don't read the paper. Does anybody read the paper here? My father and I had a paper, and I thought, what, what is that? <laughs> so anyway, uh, we flip through the iPad. But one of the things is that with things happening quickly, trials and opportunities happen quickly, too. When you don't expect it, a trial will hit you. And also, when you don't expect it, an opportunity will hit you. And you have to stay sharp. Because when a trial comes unexpectedly, you have to get in there and you have to get through it. And let God be glorified. But you also have to be quick to recognize opportunities. You have to keep aware. I'm telling you, these days, you just have to keep aware of what's going on. Uh, We've had so many things come up in our school that years ago I would have said, Nope, we're going to do this. Nope, that's out. This is in. And now I'm thinking... You know, we need to be aware. We try to need to be aware of what God's doing. You have to make decisions, but you have to keep aware and you have to keep faithful. If you take anything from me today, you have to be faithful. I was talking to a friend of mine who is actually older than I am. Uh, maybe that's why I like to hang out with him when I come to the States. He's, he's 10 years older than I am. I, I, I love the guy. But he was telling me that uh, somebody had asked John Wesley, if you knew Jesus was coming back in a week, what would you do? that I would do exactly what I'm doing now, sharing the gospel, proclaiming the, the kingdom. And what I, what I take from that is we need to be faithful. We need to put our hands to what we're supposed to do and do it faithfully. Um, the gospel is the same. People need things. People need Jesus. And we're here to make um, disciples of all nations, and you have to live out your life. I listen to these parents, these young parents, and, I, and God bless you all. With little kids, God bless you all. But we've been through that. We don't have, we don't have to do it again. Now we have 200 kids in our school that we have to work with. But in the middle of everything, in the middle of all what's going on, we have to push forward. We are not here just to survive. We are here to build a kingdom. And what I want to talk to you about is going to be more of a, of a reflection. It's not, it's not a deep teaching. I'm not going to tell you anything you probably didn't know. But Satan's strategies have always been the same for the believer, but he's increasing his attacks. And I want to tell you what his main strategy is. It's to get you off the plane take you out of the game. He can't destroy you. He can't take away your salvation. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're secure in Christ. You have salvation. Um, I want to I show you, maybe you can put that first image up. I think most of you have seen this before. 
This is our, our school. It's called Colegio Cristiano Monte de Gracia. And the, the logo is something that uh, was in my car years ago, and I have a Mexican uh, brother. He, he pastors a sister church in Mexico, and he designed this. He's a graphic designer. And the idea is the cross coming out of the earth with God's mantle of grace, which covers the earth. God's grace covers us. We're, we're secure in him. And not only are we secure in him, we're safe in him. And I want to read a verse, and then I want to show you, uh, I want to show you another image. In John 10, I want you to listen to this. Jesus answered them, I said, I told you, and you do not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now listen to this. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Go ahead and put up the next picture. This is a painting that a lady that we went to Bible school with did. And it's from these verses. It's called Safe in His Hand. You can also reference Psalm 23 or Psalm 91. But if you listen to this verse that I just read, it says, I give them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. There's Jesus' hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. you got two hands going on here. Jesus' hand, the Father's hand, and no matter what situation you find yourself in, you are absolutely secure in God. doesn't mean you won't have trials. doesn't mean you won't suffer, but you are absolutely secure. And one of the strategies that Satan gets, uses against people is to get you doubting. Well, does God love me or does this or am I worthy? Of, and, and what he does is he takes you off the playing field because you spend all your time thinking about something that's not even true and you don't get to do what you're supposed to do. And these days that we're living in are so demanding that Christians step up and fulfill their calling Satan can't take you out of those hands. You're there. He can't. It says that no man can take him out. I can't take I'm a man. I can't take myself out. God, God has me. He's, I, I'm secure in him. But a lot of times we get to worry about this. And I'm, I'm going to address this a little bit more. I'm as loved as I'm ever going to be by God. He loves me as much as he's ever going to love me. If I win 100 people to Jesus tomorrow, God's going to be happy. But he's not going to love me more. You understand what I'm saying? We are absolutely there. That's, that's our point. That's, that's the point we live from. But from that point, we need to get in the game. We need to, 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 um, to, to minister. One of the things, here, here's a couple points just to think about. Satan can't take away your salvation. We are secure in Christ. Satan will try to get you to struggle with that, I guarantee. How many of you have ever thought, oh, I don't see how God can love me, I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering this, and that. it happens. But you need, to, you need to grab a hold of yourself and throw that down and say, this verse is true. And the next lie that he tells you is that you're not able to do anything. You're not able to really do anything. You wonder why pastors sometimes get overloaded? Because a lot of times, not that people want to overload the pastor, they just don't think, I, you know, I just, I can't do this. Pastor, I was talking to this guy about the Lord, and, and oh my gosh, he's ready to see, receive Jesus. Can you come over? Like, like that person couldn't do it. We, we don't think that we're able, but I want to tell you something. You are able. You are able to do everything that God has called you to do. You are more than able. You are more... Uh, than you ever have thought before. What happens is, we all as a church have, have a, a general calling to make disciples of the nation, but every one of you has special gifting and a special calling. And your gifting will always stretch. You always have to live by faith. Remember that. If you say, well, I can't do that, well, maybe you need to step out in faith. But everybody has something specific. 
And it may be different from what other people have, but these days demand that we step up and do it. And I'm talking to you young people, and I'm talking to you middle-aged people, and you old folks. I mean, most people my age uh, that are missionaries have been there 20 years, and they're just kind of taking, you know, seeing th overseeing things, but God put it in our heart to start something new. And we were, we were worried about it until we went to North, uh, South Dakota, saw uh, Mount Rushmore, and saw that guy started when he was 58. My kind of guy, taking on something new. But it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what you are able. So I want to look at a couple verses. See, we're not left on earth just to survive. We're not here just to survive and to have a retirement. We're here to produce something. I talked to a guy, the same old guy, you know, I like to hang out with him because he's 10 years older. I like to walk around with him too. But, you know, I feel like that's why I like to go to Branson because I like being the youngest person. <laughs> so he was, I'm going to tell you something he told me. He said that uh, he's lived in his house forever, it's all paid off, his kids are all gone, and he got a reverse mortgage. Now, I'm not going to comment whether that's a good idea or a bad idea. So, because I, I know a lot of, I just want to tell you about his heart. And I said, well, why would you do that? That you got all the money you need, and you, you're, you're living fine, why would you do that? He said, well, I just love giving into God's work. And I, my kids are all doing fine, and when I die, I don't want to have anything left over. I just, so I have this resource, which is my house, and so I'm going to have more money for my house so I can give more. Like I said, I'm not talking about whether you should have a reverse mortgage or not. His heart, though, he, he said, I'm, I'm not here just to retire and play golf because he doesn't know how to play golf. He said, I'm, I'm here with a mission. And what that meant to me is that we, we, need, to, we need to be aware. Um, how many of you all have something that you think God might have put in your heart but you, didn't think, you don't think it's ever possible? Anybody? A few. How many have something that is possible but you haven't really stepped out to, to do it yet? See, see that this is happening. And the days we're living in are requiring us to step out by faith. A lot of times we don't understand faith. We think, well, if I have faith, then things are just going to work out. That's not true. Faith means I trust God. And I make the step. You look at people in the Bible that have faith, they very rarely had absolute security of what they were doing. You live by faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if I'm not stepping out by faith, I'm not pleasing God. And so that's a really important thing that we need to do. Well, let's go on a little bit more. We are here, and I want to, if you have a Bible... Go to uh, 2 Corinthians 3. I had to borrow this from Jim, the Dickey Bible, because I only had a Spanish Bible at the house, so that didn't. But for some of you don't really use Bibles, you just use your phone. Yeah, it's so much easier. You don't even have to know where it is in the Bible. Just put it in there. Um, listen to this. I told you uh, a minute ago that one of Satan's strategies, he can't, he can't take you away from God. But he can impede you fulfilling your call that God has made you able to do. And he does it a lot of different ways. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, it says, Boy, Nick, you got to get the, you get the large print edition. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like that one old guy, like that old guy that I follow, someone asked him, if he's a scholar, what, what's your favorite version of the Bible? And he said, large print. <laughs> <laughs> it says, listen to this. Um, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. You got that? It's not of ourselves. Even the calling, even that little inkling you feel to do something is not from you. It's from Him. So it's not from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. Okay? We buy into that. My sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Listen, 
He has made us sufficient. He has made us able to do everything that he wants us to do, and it's for his glory. It's, we're not sufficient in ourselves, we're sufficient in him. And what I, what I would title this, this reflection is that you are up to the job. You are up to do it. You can do it. You may not be a Billy Graham, not for young people, that, that's the guy who used to preach the gospel to lots of people. You may not be a famous person, but you are up to fulfill everything that God has given you to do. And I'm telling you, we limit ourselves. I can't ever do that. Well, I'm not able to do that. Folks, you are able to do that. You may even think that you're not qualified. Other people may think you're not qualified. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves, and we don't even give God a chance. What kind of faith is that? Well, I can't do that. Well, faith doesn't require you to be able to do it. It requires you to find yourself in God, and its sufficiency comes from Him. Amen. I was thinking, uh, when I was looking at this, if you were God, what kind of person would you look for to, to do your work? You know, if you were God, and you were going to build this kingdom of God, what kind of, what kind of person would you look for? Have you ever considered the kind of people that Jesus picked? I mean, this was a rough lot. They were all pretty much out there. Um, they were not scholarly. They, they didn't know much. Uh, he, even, you know, he even picked Judas. And you can't tell me that he didn't know what Judas was up to. Jesus, the way God thinks is not the way we think. And sometimes the way I think about myself is not scriptural. And my wife can testify that sometimes, if you guys are like me, you have so much that's so much bigger than you are, and you just think, man, I am just not the person for this job. Like, uh, how, how in the world can this happen? That's the people Jesus picked. He picked those people. He didn't pick any great people. There's another verse I want you to see. In, in 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bible, if you have your telephone, get there quicker. 1, 26. Yep, okay. Lift it up here again. It says, For you see your calling, brother, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. It doesn't say that God settled for the foolish things. It doesn't say, well, God, you know, he couldn't get who he wanted, so he settled for the foolish things. It says that God chose the foolish thing. You get that? This is, this is the way God works. That's why everything that he wants you to do is going to be beyond yourself. Because if it wasn't beyond yourself, you couldn't do it with faith. And if you can't do it with faith, you can't please God. They said that Queen Elizabeth said that uh, she was saved by an M. See if you can figure it out. Yeah, I'll read this again. That not many... Wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Figure it out, take my name. Because it doesn't say not any, it says not many noble. Oh. So that doesn't have anything to do with the survey. It just in your mind. As you get older, your mind gets more random, you know, because I don't know the things firing up in the But listen to this. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. I want you to remember that God chooses these things. This was a big revelation to me. God doesn't put up with the foolish. God doesn't put up with the weak. Our society sometimes puts up with the weak. God chooses the weak. Sometimes we have these, you know, we have a school of about 200 kids. Of course, since it's in a third world country, all the kids are wonderful angels, and they're just glad we're there to teach them God's word. That's not true. <laughs> they're kids, and some of them are just like they are here. They're just, you don't know what to do with them. You know, we have 30 kindergartners that we teach, or I teach them like three times a week, and these kids come from places, sometimes they, they don't know what a bathroom is. And so, this, But, you know, you're thinking, God has chosen these, these kids, every one of them, to do something special. 
special in the kingdom. And I'm almost to the point where I know all their names. Because every year we get 30 new kids coming to kindergarten. By the end of the year, we know their names. We know the rest of the names in the school. But God has chosen them. And I'm thinking that if I was God, I wouldn't do that. I would find somebody that is already ready to go, already has it all together. But God doesn't do that. And I'll tell you why. Because he wants the glory for himself, not for you. And if I'm able to do it, then I can do it. Then I can talk about myself. Then I can promote myself. And this happens a lot in the missions world. I, I mean, if you ever read missionary newsletters, I'm sorry, I apologize on behalf of all those missionaries, but it's like, well, I'm doing such great things, but God's not interested in that. He's interested in him doing great things through people that are unqualified. Um, Jesus picked these disciples, and he didn't settle. Oh, God, I couldn't get, I couldn't get uh, Nicodemus. You know, he just wasn't on board, so I had to settle for Peter. That's not what he did. He picked Peter. He chose him. He chose him. And I want to I want to say this, that he has chosen you. He's chosen every one of you to do something special. But we have to respond. Now these disciples responded, but then they got into this process of discipleship. And it took a little, it took a while. And even after he died and rose again, uh, it says in Matthew 28 that they went to see him off when he ascended and it said that some doubted. After all that, you know that God can handle doubt. You don't have to fake things with God. He can handle doubters. Thomas was a doubter. Thomas takes a bad rap. But he said, my Lord and my God. And he... History says, or tradition says, that he went and established churches. He gave his life to the Lord. He handles all those things. Let, let me just give you a few examples out of the Bible about people that God chose. God chose Moses. He killed a guy and went away in the desert and hid there for 40 years. He was ready to just to chuck it, and God came and spoke to him. He was totally disqualified by his actions, but he was God's guy. God can put up with that. He can put up with, with failures like that. What about Rahab? If your last name was the harlot, Rahab the harlot, you, you, would, have, you would have a hard time making your way in line. But she not only was chosen by God, she became part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, uh, a Gentile woman whose last name was the harlot. Now, I've, I've heard a lot of things about this. I've heard preachers say, well, yeah, that's what she used to do a long time ago, and the name just stuck. And, you know, she might have been Rahab the harlot. And those two spies got up there. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I'm not saying that that's true. But sometimes we try to sanctify everything when God's really working with down and dirty people. I mean, he's working with people like us. And... So Rahab the harlot, you think, well, what's the deal? But um, she got past that. She became a person of faith. She reached out there, and she became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. David is one of my favorites, because when Samuel went to anoint the king, he told Jesse to bring all his sons out, and Jesse didn't say, yeah, I'm missing one at first. He just said, here they are. And the prophet went through them all, and he said, don't you have any more? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I got another one. His old dad didn't believe in him, but God chose him. Listen. It doesn't matter if people believe in you or not. You're not out here to get people's approval. And the reason I'm saying all this is because the days are short. We, we don't have time to just sit around and play these games. We need to get up and go. You all know the story of Gideon? Gideon was one that said, I'm, I'm the worst of my tribe or my, or my family. My family is the lowest of the tribe and the tribe's the lowest. And God sent some, an angel to say, oh man of valor. Well, why would he say, oh man of valor, to a coward? You think he would have said, you know, Gideon, get on board, you can really become famous. As a matter of fact, they'll name a Bible after you and put in all these hotels in the future. But he didn't, he didn't do that. He, he, just, he just spoke to him that in his condition, God chose him. He chose Gideon. I'm going to tell you my favorite example is Peter. Peter, you know, peep them out. He's always talking before he thinks. Has anybody ever talked before you? If you get older, you tend to put that down, but it still, it still comes up. One preacher says that Peter was ready, fire, aim. You know, he just... He, didn't, didn't take enough time to process stuff. But you don't know the story that Jesus said that uh, everybody will abandon me. He said, no, not I, Lord. Even, even if I have to die, I won't do it. And 
know that he denied it. Do you know the Bible says in Matthew, Jesus, the Lord Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Jesus had every scriptural reason to just send Peter off for good. But he didn't. Because he had chosen him. And he was watching over him. He was covering him. And Peter recovered. You might say, well, God, Jesus broke the word. I'm telling you what. Uh, you read the Old Testament. You see God's requirements. And then you see what grace is in our lives. It's, it's pretty exciting. So I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't even matter what your present is. A lot of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you might have a really bad past. You might have a really bad present. And you might be worried about your future. But God covers all that. And on top of that, he's chosen you to do something special in his kingdom. And the beauty is, he's chosen you to do a lot more than you've ever thought about. Um, now, a pastor has ideas. But he doesn't want you just to sit around and wait for him to have an idea and then try to encourage you to do it. A good pastor knows that God speaks to people. And you'll have things that God will call you to do. Now, you might run by them. Because pastors can have some wisdom and they can help you. But we need to get in there. We need to get in there and do it. Now, in the, in the Bible, there's other examples. The Samaritan woman. You know, in John chapter 4, uh, the disciples didn't even want to go into Samaria. And Jesus said, I have to go there. And he met this woman who became an evangelist. Uh, his disciples saw Samaria as a problem. Jesus said, look up and see the harvest. But they couldn't see it. They just saw something to get out of. I've been there before. I've seen things. This is a problem. What do I have to do to get out of here when God actually placed me there? And I'm, I'd be afraid to know how many times... I've done that without even being aware of it. But she was disqualified by her sin. She was been married five times and lived with a guy, and she ended up being God's evangelist. She brought people out there. They had a big revival. What about Zacchaeus? He wasn't even a, he was a Roman, or he worked for the Romans. Everybody hated him, but Jesus chose him. He just picked him out and said, I'm going to your house. Why would he do that? Because he sees things differently. Now, there was one guy in the Bible that was qualified by every, every stretch of, of the word, the Apostle Paul. If you go to Philippians 3, he says, I count all that as done as trash, but it's really done, manure. He had all this preparation, but he said, for the to know Jesus, I count all that as trash. So the one guy that really was prepared, who was called by God, responded to God's calling, and he used some of his background, but he didn't depend on his preparation. He said, I press forward to know Jesus better. And it goes, the Bible is so, it's just full of that. You can, can anybody think of somebody that was uh, had a trashed up life, but God called that I haven't mentioned? Let's just take a couple of things real quick. Zacchaeus, what's another one? Abraham. Abraham. He was too old. You know, in Abraham, the father of faith was not that great when it came to faith. God called him here in Mesopotamia and said, leave your family and go over to Canaan. He didn't say Canaan, but this land. So Abraham got his family. He picked up Lot, his dad, and he went halfway. <laughs> he had to grow in faith. Very good. Anybody else? Joseph. 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 I would have given up if I was Joseph. <laughs> I mean, he had a rough life. There's, there's tons of them. You know Jacob? <laughs> Jacob the liar? Yeah. You know, after he wrestled with God, and God changed his name to Israel, he was still a liar. <laughs> because when he met Esau, you know, and they had this warm embrace, and Esau said, okay, man, let's go. He said, no, my kids and the animals are too young. Go ahead, and I'll catch up with you. So Esau went back, and Jason, Jacob <laughs> took the left. He was, he was still a liar. His present condition, God was working on him. But God called him to do good things. Uh, Mary and Martha? Uh, Martha was a, was a worrywart. Mary was lazy. 
Jesus, he's like, well, I'm going to sit in Jesus' seat, but you probably didn't want to work in the first place. He's like, ah, this is good. I'll just, I'll just sit in Jesus' seat. We don't know. But, but Jesus picked all these people. What about Lazarus? He was dead. And, and God still used him. He, he raised him up. I'm telling you, I look around here, and I'm not a prophet. I'm merely a teacher. You know, the Bible says call the man teacher, but also it's call me teacher. And in Spanish, they say, well, teacher is. <laughs> but um, I'm not a prophet, but as I'm looking around here, I can just see, I can see God's anointing on people for different things. But he is not going to make us do it. Satan is going to try to convince you that you can't, that you're not qualified, even though we just went through a whole list of people that were totally disqualified by themselves, by getting disqualified himself, by other people. Um, these are days to step up. This church uh, has so much potential, and it doesn't just have to do with uh, bringing people to the meeting, which is the focal point. You can say what you want, but the Sunday meeting is the focal point. That's where people get it together. And the small groups happen, but outside of this setting, this church has so much to do. You're going to touch things that other people don't. And I say church, I mean I mean y'all, the people. Um, we, we can see ourselves as too young, too old. I don't have enough uh, studies. Um, I have imperfections. I, I have a, a stressed marriage. I have um, bad kids. I'm, I'm lazy. How many of you ever caught yourself and say, I do that, but I'm just too lazy? Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? But God will still use us. He calls us to go forward. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray. I just see so much possibility. And these days do require that we step up. Uh, it's time to live by faith. Now, I'm not saying that if God's called you to do something, you have to jump. Some things take a lot of preparation. Some things are very simple. But we need to be in that process of doing it. When, you know, when we went to the mission field, you don't just decide one day, and go next. There's, there's a process, but you get in the process. But some of the things that God's given you, you have the ability, or he's given you the, the anointing to do it. We, we need to step up. And so I want to just pray. I want to pray for all of you. Like I said, I just see so much possibilities. Uh, I love seeing young people, you know, and if you want to be a young person and work in a mission school, we have a place. And it's kind of a boring place to live for a young person, but it, it can be very fulfilling. Um, you are approved by God. God has qualified you. God has made you an able minister of the gospel. Not of the letter of the law, but of the life. Uh, you need to know that God's called you with a purpose. You're a unique creation. Everyone is unique. You are anointed. And you are anointed with power to do whatever you need to do. Now, this doesn't mean that you won't ever suffer. It doesn't mean you won't ever have a setback. I mean, God, look at the setbacks he's had. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'm grateful for one that God sees the big picture. When my, in my son's marriage, I shared the fact that as you get married, you need to look at the big picture. When you get ready to get in the fight, to back off and look at the big picture. Amen. If God didn't see the big picture with us, we would have been gone a long time ago. If he didn't see the big picture with Israel, they would have been gone. We need to see the big picture that, that we are anointed with power. And, and finally, don't ever allow Satan to get you to question who you are in Christ. It's a done deal. Because if he gets you to question it, then you'll go through your life without doing that thing that you were created to do. So don't let him, don't let him do that. It's a mistake. And, but know that he will attack you. His, his, thing is to, his thing is to take you out. You can't take your salvation, but he will take you out. But we have the power to overcome that. And if he knocks you down, you get back up. Um, it happens. Things happen. I've, we have things happen at our school that you just think, this is it. <laughs> We're good. The thing I live in fear of is that our librarian never quits. Because this lady is, if she's not an angel, she's directly sent by God. But someday that may happen. We get up and go on. It may happen to you in your life. But you need to get up and go. Let's pray. I want everybody just to uh, just bow your, your head. We teach our kids at school and we pray the English phrase they say. We say, I shut heads down. They know that much English. <laughs> Father God, I just come before you this morning and I, I put in your hands.
Black Trinity Church and all the all the members, the variety of people that are here with uh, different ages, different generations, different callings, different understandings, uh, and everyone with a call to build your kingdom, and everyone anointed by you, and every single one able to minister. If you're here and you've never received Jesus, you may not have the security that you're in Christ. But that offers Jesus died for, for everyone. If you're here and you've never received Jesus, I want you after service to talk to Johnny or to Riken or Jim or Vicky or any talk to anybody and say, listen, I, I want to get in on this. But I want to direct myself now to, to uh, my prayers for folks that they've been on the sidelines. And you realize it's time to get going. Why, why waste time? Lord, I declare a blessing over everyone that's here today. Especially those that are saying, I, I know, I know that I thought I wasn't able, or I know that I've, I've questioned this or that. And I felt this in my heart, but I haven't been willing to step out. Lord, today, Holy Spirit, that you would break that thing, that you would break that bondage. I'm asking you to do something with, with your eyes closed. If, if you're a person that says, I know God's given me more, and I may not even know what it is. But I'm going to make it a priority to pursue him. And I'm not going to question my security in him. And I'm not going to question that I may not be able. I'm just going to seek him to find out and step out of faith. Just raise your hand really quickly, and then you can put it back down. Okay, go ahead and put it back down. Father, I just declare our blessings in Jesus' name. And I thank you that we are moving forward and that you will be glorified through every person in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you all. It's been fun being with you.